Welcome to the Family Vision Media Podcast with Stacey on the right. I'm so glad to have you here and also to have my guest, Jenna Ellis. She's a constitutional law attorney, former legal advisor, and counsel to President Trump. And I'm so glad to see your face, Jenna. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, great to see you, Stacey. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so let's start off. You just mentioned right before we went live that you've got this trend on Twitter. It's Justice Kavanaugh, of course, and but it's Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson who is really... Everyone's talking about her yesterday and today because the Supreme Court session has opened and they're hearing oral arguments for the first time since COVID. The court is open again, so the public can come in. And she's really like making that she's putting her foot out there pretty strongly on her first couple days. Yeah, well, she's clearly very ideologically driven and a very progressive leftist. And we saw that even in her confirmation hearings. Uh, We all remember when she responded to Senator uh, Marsha Blackburn's question, can you define what is a woman? And she said, no, I can't because I'm not a biologist. And everyone kind of laughed at that because we know, of course, she can. And, you know, Jim Biden made such a big deal about the fact that she's the first black woman on the court. So obviously, uh, gender means something to the left. But it really indicated more of her uh, progressive ideology, because what she suggested by saying, well, I'm not a biologist, so therefore I can't define woman, is that we have to look to biologists as the experts on human sexuality, human gender, and uh, and sex, and those uh, kinds of questions, rather than being able to have a what the law would call a judicially noticeable fact, like saying, okay, you know, the weather outside is 82 degrees today. And you don't have to be a weatherman or have an expert come in to testify to that. You can just have that as a judicially noticeable fact. And so uh, her ideology is showing that she is going to be so far progressive leftist and say when it comes to issues that are very politically driven, she is going to take the politically driven leftist ideology to inform her decision making. And she even went so far today as to suggest that the 14th Amendment, uh, which of course was during the Reconstruction era, was race conscious in its inception. So therefore, it's perfectly constitutional to have race-based voting laws that actually discriminate against white people. I mean, this is so ridiculous. And it's what um, a few people on Twitter are calling progressive originalism by trying to manufacture this sort of textual premise. It would be just as ridiculous as saying, because the 19th Amendment wanted to make sure that women can vote, that now uh, some form of law that discriminates against men on the basis of sex, that that's perfectly constitutional just because uh, the founders or the framers of that particular amendment intended to give women the vote. So we're seeing a completely different and so far extreme leftist position on the court, even more than I think we've seen before, and certainly far uh, beyond what Justice Breyer would have ever held from the bench. So that's Bentley making an appearance on our podcast, video cast, which we'll just have to ignore him. I'm sure it's a squirrel. Um, But I'm Jenna, I I think there's something super important that you just highlighted there. And that is that the left is trying to change the way we think about previous like solid rock solid things like gender or, um, you know, who who's allowed to tell what gender is like previous to this. It was I am woman, hear me roar, women's rights, National Organization of Women, Gloria Steinem, you know, um, believe all women, um, me too. 
these were things that were, you could not, you, not, you couldn't break them. They were unbreakable arguments. And so it was anything a woman said, especially if she was a leftist woman, and especially if she was smashing the patriarchy, these things were inviolable. You could not come against these arguments. Well, now they've destroyed that with their transgender theory. And now they're coming up with a new norm, which is we, if you're not a biologist, you can't, you can't say. And I'm sure at some point we're going to hear Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson tell other justices that they can't actually criticize her arguments because she's a woman. Now, we, we have it on, on video. She said she didn't know, she couldn't tell what a woman was, but she will at some point break that too and reverse back on herself because that's what leftists do. Yeah, of course. That's what they do all the time is that they use situational arguments and situational ethics. And in her case now, situational justice, uh, just to fulfill the outcome driven uh, premise that they want ultimately from the bench or from uh, politics or from Congress or from the executive. They don't have firm rules anymore than they have firm definitions of anything because the progressive leftists want to completely destroy reality and barriers of definitions. And you know, it's interesting because I used to do a formal debate in high school and college, and the number one uh, kind of 101 of a debate round was that you first had to start out by defining your terms because everyone knows that whoever defines the uh, resolution and the terms to their own advantage would ultimately win the argument if it was uh, definitions driven. And often if you could frame definitions according to your preferred outcome, then you would win the round. That's exactly what the Democrats are doing. So it's not that they're just stupid and they don't know how to define woman. It's that they're trying to reinvent society according to their definitions and completely apart from reality. And we, of course, Stacey, can point this out and can say, well, this is totally hypocritical because she's a black woman. And now she's saying she can't even define woman, but she's taking this you know, credit of being the first black woman. We can even look at the left who is driving so hard for same sex marriage. Well, if you can change your gender at any given point, then what's the difference? Why, why are you fighting so hard for same sex marriage? Because there's like 67 genders now, right? So it doesn't make sense. But that's their entire point. They don't want it to make sense so that they can just fashion a solution based on any given moment that is for their preferred outcome. And it is to tear down all of the norms, religion, family, uh, personhood, children, um, everything that is about our society and any civil society that has ever thrived on the face of the earth. So let me just say... Um, I, I get kind of annoyed with it, Jenna, because I feel like they actually destroy their own arguments so often. We only just really have to kind of sit back and watch. Like we know, you and I know just as sure as we're sitting here and that we're both women, because we both know what we are, mm -hmm. that Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson is going to make one of these arguments where she refers to her gender or her ethnicity. And she's going to use that as a, basically as an argument support to put forward an idea, something unworkable, something that's unconstitutional, something that really destroys our liberty, our peace, our tranquility, things that the, the founders really, they wrote those things in the constitution because they actually wanted us to have those things. She'll be making that argument here. Like the more she talks, the more I feel like it might be even before the end of this week, but we'll see. Um, so how can we, look when we're looking at, at what she's doing, because there's this whole thing, it's a push and a pull. Like I've even had someone email me, well, 
you know, I thought you would have at least appreciated the fact that Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson is a black woman. And, you know, there's a special place in hell for women who don't support other women. Remember, um, Madeleine Albright said that. And then also, you know, don't forget, you know, you're even, you guys even have the same hairstyle and you're not supporting her. You can't find any good reason to support her. And I'm thinking, well, I'm a grown up, right? I'm a grown up. Just because someone has sister locks and it's kind of a rarity and they're black, it doesn't mean like, I'm like, well, let me suspend all of the other reasons why she and I differ because we have the same hair and same tone of skin. That is the, the most basic, like we, I would think that a person would say, you know, in spite of the similarities between the two of you in a couple of areas, surface areas, by the way, because we can all change our hair. Like I could cut all this off tomorrow. Um, I, I would really hope that someone would say, oh, you're taking the, 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 the informed route, the intelligent route, which is you're looking at what she believes in and then you're comparing it to your belief system and saying, so I guess my question is like, we know the constitution doesn't support it. We know common sense doesn't support it. We know that these ideas don't work in reality. Um, but we're still going to have to put up with her, Jenna, arguing but that she's going to be like challenging legal professionals, people who probably have more knowledge than she has in, in a lot of these areas. She's going to get to sit there and question them, question their motives, question things that have nothing to do with the validity of the case. How, how can we as lay people really kind of unpack her, her positioning? Is there, is there like a system or, or a way that we can view what she's saying where we can kind of just like narrative bust immediately. I do that all the time with media, but I'm not, I don't have the legal background to do it with her. I just know she's wrong. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Well, you know, I, I would say, of course, you know, listen to my show where we break this down a lot from a legal perspective. And I try to give people those tools. Um, you know, it's the Jenna Ellis show. You can stream that wherever you stream, but also just for, um, for lay people. I mean, she is obviously going to take the easy way out to have people look at these things based on an immutable characteristic or what, you know, the left doesn't say is immutable anymore, but whether that's a race, that's skin color, it's hair color, it's, you know, it's, it's political ideology, whatever, rather than us saying, okay, what is the premise and the foundation of government? And then what limited powers are given to each of the political branches um, and each of the branches of government? And, yeah. Does this action uh, actually, is that part of one of the powers? And so what I always told my students in constitutional law when I taught at Colorado Christian University, there are two basic questions when looking at whether something is or is not constitutional. First is whether the, the government actor or the person who wants to act in a certain way, whether they can do something. That's the constitutional question. So for example, if Joe Biden issues an executive order, can he do that under the limited power that the United States Constitution in Article 2 gives the president? If the answer to that is no, then it doesn't matter who supports it, why they support it, why they're outraged, anything like that. It's not constitutional because he has no power to do it. If he can do it, then it becomes a matter of policy. Then it's a question of whether he should do it. That is debatable. And in the judiciary, they don't answer those types of political questions. They simply answer can he? 
not should he. So the political questions are given to Congress, they're given to uh, the executive branch, and then obviously on the state level. And so the judiciary specifically is not a political branch, because they only ask the questions of whether they can. And the Constitution is not very long. It's really, really simple, even for lay people to understand. I would challenge all of your viewers to go and actually read that look at the separation of powers that our founders actually provided and see for example, for Congress, in Article 1, Article 1, Section 1 says all legislative authority is given to Congress. That means that no other branch can actually create law. That means that Joe Biden cannot, with his pen and his paper, issue an executive order that is lawmaking. That means there's no judicial activism lawmaking from the bench. But Congress, in Article 1, Section 8, has only a few different subject matters on which they can create law at the federal level. Guess what is not in there? Healthcare education, parental rights, all of these things that the federal Congress wants to pretend that they can legislate on in terms of abortion regulation, in terms of marriage, you don't go out and get a federal marriage license. It is an issue that is properly reserved to the states. So a lot of these very heated political arguments can be answered very quickly by just saying, sorry, they can't. Okay, perfect. Because I, I like it when it's simple and I can just put that, I file it away in my mind. And then as soon as I see it, I'm like, oh, but can, can you, according to the constitution, that's so simple and easy. And I think for us, when we're making our case as conservatives, and we, we constantly refer to the constitution, but like you just noted, so many Americans haven't read it. They almost feel as if it's too difficult to read when the fact is it is short. The founders, they were, they were brilliant in their ability to see into the future, not literally like a crystal ball, but to kind of see that human nature would never change and that people are busy and simple things actually work best. And so they did make the constitution simple. And like, if you want to be a little bit further along and you want to be like an overachiever, you can read the Federalist Papers, which are actually fascinating, but you don't have to. The founders didn't actually intend all of us to read those. And so we can actually just say, can they, according to the constitution, and then we know for most things Democrats are proposing, the answer is no. But then we have to then hold these, these justices to that account. And I really believe that the American people should hold all of the justices to that account, not just the ones on the right. The ones on the left should be asked when they're out at these speaking engagements, because they often speak at commencements and they, and they do Q&As and they go to these big dinners and stuff and they go to the opera. And when people want to have a confrontation with these people, instead of asking them about their private lives or their children or their spouses, ask them, why do you feel it's okay to legislate from the Supreme Court bench where you're supposed to only adjudicate whether something is a constitutional right or not? That's it. That's the, your job is so much simpler than what you make. They need to be asked about that. I would prefer that than the threats and the horrific things we're seeing, which is a perfect segue, Jenna, before we lose all of our time here. I wanted you to weigh in on the importance of abortion now that we've had Dobbs Day, and I've been rejoicing every day since then, I'm so excited that now we get to have abortion-free states and abortion sanctuaries, because that's what the Constitution and the founders intended. You can move to a place that is an abortion-free state like Missouri, or you can move to an abortion sanctuary like Illinois or New Jersey or California, and you can actually have your taxpayer dollars go to pay for foreigners' abortions, or you can be in a state where you're like, go ahead and do that. Drive over the river and have an abortion. This is America, but I don't support that, and I shouldn't have to pay for it. So what impact is that decision going to have in the midterms? And, and what do you see happening after that? 
Well, I think that uh, the Dobbs decision was completely properly decided, and I've been advocating for that specific outcome for a long time and saying that, you know, Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey should be overturned. And that is an issue, again, that should belong to the states. And while some even Republicans are suggesting that there should be a now a codified rule on, you know, a 15 week ban or, you know, some other arbitrary metric, it is constitutionally reserved to the states to regulate abortion, how the state legislatures under the will of the people uh, actually want to make those laws. It's not up to the governors of each state. But what we're seeing is this vast drama from the left that is trying to suggest, especially up in Pennsylvania, where full disclosure, I'm a senior advisor on Doug Mastriano's campaign for governor up in Pennsylvania. And what we're seeing up there is that his Democrat opponent is actually suggesting that because Doug Mastriano is very pro-life, that somehow that should impact the governor's race. Well, it's not the governor that would set that rule. Of course, the governor would have to sign legislation, but it could be um, overturned on a veto override. And so it's up to the will of the legislature, but you're seeing a lot of this very muddled in the court of public opinion by the Democrats suggesting that Republicans are just going to, uh, through the executive branch, then legislate our pro-life will onto the entire country. What, that's not what Dobbs said. That's not what anyone can do. That's what the left is doing. That's what Gavin Newsom is trying to do. That's what a lot of these Democrat attorneys general are trying to do when they are fighting some of the abortion bans or the abortion restrictions that were legislated as trigger laws that if a case like Dobbs was actually handed down, then immediately that law would go into effect. And that was the will of the state legislature. And now some Democrat attorneys general don't like that. So they're challenging it rather than going back to the legislature and appealing to the legislature to change the law. And so what the Democrats are doing, not just with abortion, but with every single issue, is that they are trying on purpose to use the rule of law and manipulate it to their advantage. They loved when the Supreme Court was a, a Democrat leftist liberal majority. Then notice the Supreme Court's will was absolutely sacrosanct. You couldn't argue with it. They're even suggesting that the three Trump justices were appointed because somehow they lied by saying that Roe versus Wade was the law of the land. Well, it was until it was overturned, right? So of course they didn't lie. But they but notice how the Supreme Court was the absolute end stop full whatever they said is American gospel until it became conservative controlled. Now all of a sudden, nothing the Supreme Court says is legitimate. We have to pack the court. We have to do all these things. We have to challenge everything. They don't care about our system of limited power. They just want to manipulate and override the system to their advantage. We can't let them do that to abortion for abortion uh, regulation. And we also can't let them do that with any other legal issue. So I'm so glad you brought up the hypocrisy on the Supreme Court, because I remember the um, you might also re recall being in Barnes and Noble and they were selling a little lace collar that you could put on top of your T-shirt so you could be like RBG. And the fact that RBG became a household name that even five-year-olds were reading books about. Also Barnes and Noble, huge display on both entrances at the mall, at the Barnes and Noble here in, in, in the West County, the Dove Mall, the only mall you want to go to. You literally walk in either door, there's a huge display with RBG on it in cartoon form for the five-year-olds. And then for their moms, another book with collars next to it and all kinds of like plush toys and stuff. You could have an RBG plushie to like, you know, go to bed with at night. 
adult or child. Um, Can you imagine if that was Amy Coney Barrett? Jenna, it should be. We should all want our own Amy Coney Barrett plush doll. I would put it on my nightstand because that's a cute place for the plush doll to go. I mean, maybe on the bookshelf in my office. I don't know. I, I, we never get a chance to do that kind of stuff because we don't own the culture the way they do, but also we don't need plush toys. Like, you know, we're fine with them, but we don't need them. But can we just for one second, can we just acknowledge that Democrats really want you and me, just let's just take the two of us. They really want us to pay for the abortions of other women and to be forced to live in places that abortion is the law of the land, even if it's against our will, even though we're women, even though I'm black, I'm like a double minority over here. They're supposed to be on my side because in their minds, unless we're all participating in it, it really isn't legitimate. Right. And this goes exactly against what our founders protected in the First Amendment, um, because we often think of the First Amendment as our ability to speak freely without censorship. And that's absolutely true. But the flip side of that, which is also protected in the First Amendment, is the right against forcibly being compelled to participate in activity that goes against our sincerely held religious beliefs. That's part of free exercise of religion. And so this is what all of like the cake baker and the florist and all of those cases were all about, that the government cannot compel you uh, to participate in activity that goes against your fundamentally sincerely held religious beliefs. And so the same thing for abortion. And I totally agree with you that this is where the government should not force anyone to participate in any sort of act or commission of an act that violates our faith. And that's just a foundational um, understanding of the Constitution. But the left, of course, wants to get rid of that. And they want to tell you and me by the way, that somehow we need to celebrate the fact that Katanji Brown Jackson is on the court just based on what she looks like. I don't care if it's a woman on the court, if it's a blonde woman, if it's somebody who looks like me or somebody who doesn't look anything like me and is like the most anti everything that I look like and all of my immutable characteristics. I don't care. What I care about is representation in terms of American values and upholding the Constitution. I will champion anybody, no matter what their race, age, ethnicity, background, color of skin, whatever, as long as they understand that fundamentally we are all Americans and we should all be under the same rule of law. That's what equal protection is designed to do. So I'm tired of the Democrats trying to categorize us into just based on what we look like and say that somehow, you know, you as a black woman have to champion everything else that black women are supposed to stand for. But then you can't have your own voice and say, well, as a black woman, this is what I stand for. Or that I, as a woman who is a Christian, can't say this is what I stand for. And how so many people in not only the political sphere, but in the culture will say, like, I had somebody on Twitter just yesterday who's like this crazy, insane liberal that says, I don't even know what happened to all these conservative women and listed out a bunch of us, including me, and said, you know, they just aren't thinking for themselves because they're supporting the patriarchy. Well, I'm sorry. So you're telling me that unless I conform and I'm compelled to think the way you do, that I'm not an independent thinker. I mean, it's totally a self-defeating statement, but they want us to buy into that premise and answer them 
on their footing, which is a secular humanist premise, rather than championing truth and saying, I reject that premise. And here's why, because I am thinking for myself, these are the values I champion. And by the way, this is what the Constitution objectively says, regardless of anyone's diversity, we are all equal as Americans. And that's exactly what our founders meant when they said that all of us are created equal, endowed by God, our creator, with certain unalienable rights. And we have the ability to form a more perfect union. And we have. I'm grateful that as a woman, I can now vote. I'm grateful that we have made all of these steps throughout American history to make sure that we are taking down barriers that the left just wants to continue to build right back up and separate us instead of saying there's one race, it's the human race. Yeah. And I, you know, as a Christian, I, I already know that human beings are going to be working hard their entire life to fill the God-shaped hole. And so it, what that means is you're going to be submitted to someone. And as a woman, I've got no problem with the patriarchy. We wouldn't have America without what they call the patriarchy, because that's what was going on back then. And I'm, I'm still in awe of it because that's how we got America. This is the place where people want to live. It's not the place people are dive bombing out of. Um, but bigger than that, if I'm not submitted to God and then by extension, I'm submitted to my husband and, you know, I, I have to be submitted to my bosses at, at my various workplaces, um, then I'm going to be submitted to the leftist version of the patriarchy, which is their thought manipulation that actually ends up hurting me physically and emotionally and spiritually and putting me on a path that not only leads to destruction in my life here on earth, but to hell in eternity. So, I mean, you're going to submit to someone, you're going to bow the knee to someone. And I would much rather bow the knee to our creator who he, everything we see, breathe, touch, feel it was created by him. I think that's a pretty sure bet for me to submit mm -hmm. to that as opposed to their ideology. Um, but it's that standing up and making that decision that you do, Jenna, and that so many of us are out here that's what really, really irks them. It gets under their skin that they can't make us bow to their God. And that's why doing podcasts, you know, going on Newsmax, doing all the cool stuff, writing the books. That's why we're doing this stuff, because every one of those acts, in my opinion, it's an act of defiance. I get to serve the one I choose to serve, because that's the other thing. God gave us free will. If you want to be a dyed in the wool leftist and bow the knee to their ideology, you can, God won't force you to serve him. But when you choose and choose the, you know, the adventure life is what I call it. It's an adventure. It's fun. It looks great. It feels great. It smells great. It is great. Um, that's what, that's the biggest, that's the biggest act of defiance there is in 2022 is being a Christian woman and being open about it. And, you know, politically on the right, there is no bigger narrative buster than that. So yeah, and what's interesting about it, too, is that um, we actually are the ones who are submitting to the proper authorities and we aren't defiant. And so, you know, again, this is them just trying to say that we are the ones who are somehow the extremists and we're the ones that are rebellious and we're the ones that are defying all this. Well, no, that's that's what they're doing, because we understand the proper chain of authority. But the left wants to remove authority completely and to tell you, you can do and be and feel and act however you want, you are accountable to no one. But the truth of the reality to which God has presented us tells us differently that his authority begins when he spoke in the beginning God and that everyone will ultimately have to recognize that truth, whether it is in this life or in the next. 
God says one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so the greatest act of submission to the proper biblical role, as you were talking about, that you know, we have we submit to our rulers, to the to the correct legitimate authority, not to these overreaching communists. We submit to our true proper authority. We submit to genuine justice under the rule of law. We submit in the church. We submit in the family. And and likewise, you know, if they're saying women, oh, no, submitting to your husbands. Well, husbands, they're supposed to be submitted to God and also the church authorities as well. So the greatest act of defiance in their eyes is actually the greatest act of submission to authority. And that's why they hate it. When President Trump comes out and he says that we're Americans and so we bend the knee to God alone, they hate him for that. (laughs) But Jesus predicted that. He said, you will be hated for my sake. And you know what? I'm willing to be hated because I know that my creator, my savior loves me and that's all that matters. It is. And let's just face it. There, that was one of the things that President Trump did that as much as they hated it, we loved it. I loved it when he would say that because it was such a simple truth. It, and it was so enraging. I mean, I I could almost tell when he'd said it at a rally because he would be trending on Twitter and they'd be saying everything about him except that particular thing. But he was so good at crystallizing their weak spots and speaking to those and then speaking truth into the American people. And I just, I'm so hopeful that he'll be back in 2024 and we can start to set things back on a great path for Americans. It's a lot of suffering that we have to put up with in between now and then, but I'm sure we'll be uh, talking soon, hopefully uh, on these issues and more. We so appreciate your legal expertise and your time today, Jenna Ellis. Thank you for coming on and putting a link to the book in the show notes and the podcast so people can find it. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks so much. And definitely, you know, if you want to learn more about the Constitution, get my book, The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution. It goes through an outline of exactly what we've talked about. And a lot of people have told me how much that has helped them. And they've done, you know, they've done that in their communities and have um, spread it very widely. So really appreciate that as well. Thanks. Awesome. All right. You have a great afternoon. And thank you for tuning in to Family Vision Media's Station on the Right podcast. Back another time. God bless.